Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. Thank you for tuning in to another Reflection Artist Live. We are on episode or podcast number 13. We have our special guest, Jason Rose, which a lot of people know who Jason Rose is. Um, However, those who don't, we're going to dive into his background and his industry, how long he's been in the industry. It's been 37 years. He's, you know, owned and operated his own detail and business for 12 years. He was with, gosh, McGuire's for 20, Rupes for five. He's the uh, with the global director of training over at Rupes, amongst other hats that he wears, but you know, part of the IDA on the board. So again, so many hats he wears, and I want to thank Jason for coming on. And uh, mm-hmm. tell me, Jason, in regards to you know how you got started, where all that you know came up, and how you got into detailing, and why? Why detailing? You know, in, in the younger years, and uh, tell me how all that started. Yeah. So, it, can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you great. Yeah. yeah. So it started for me much like it has for many detailers from what I hear. And that is, uh, you know, you start uh, washing and waxing the family cars, you know, mom and dad's car. And I started as a teenager when I was 14 years old and uh, started with dad's car, then did mom's car. And then, you know, the neighbors uh, saw it and they're like, hey, can you do mine? And, you know, before you know it, you have... uh, the whole neighborhood asking you to do their cars and and I was in high school and uh, that evolved into doing you know the principal's cars and the teacher's cars and um, other family members and let me turn this uh, phone off or it's going to go off the whole time. Um, Did that give you any brownie points with the teachers of the principal doing their cars at that I, time? I, I, had, I had hoped at the time, but I still <laughs> failed. So still failed classes. <laughs> um, no brownie points for me. Yeah. But, um, you know, that evolved. And, and once I graduated high school and started thinking about college, then it became a, a serious thing, you know. So I, I was actually earning money to uh, finance college. And I, I did what appears now to be... Um, not impossible, but much more difficult. And that is I completely financed um, my four-year degree, which took me six years, but I completely financed that with no student loans, completely polishing cards. Wow. That's a big statement. Yeah. I wish a lot of people would take that into consideration because having debt on student loans is crazy this day and age. And it was a lot of work back then. Uh, I imagine it would be even tougher now. But um, yeah, it was full-time work, full-time studying. It was just, you know, six years of hell. Um, But um, that's how I started. And, you know, I I started on a bicycle around the neighborhood with one of those, you know, saddlebag baskets on the bicycle. And then once I started driving, you know, I was out of the trunk of my car. Like, I've heard a lot of detailers start that way. Yeah. Um, and that evolved through a 12-year mobile detail business in Southern California, had different vehicles. You know, I went to a trailer, I went to a truck, I went to a van, you know, 
Um, a lot of the transitions that most <laughs> mobile detailers go through. You got to figure out which one's going to be the best fit for lugging all this equipment. <laughs> uh, it sure, it sure would have been nice to start out with, you know, the van in the beginning because uh, that's what ultimately worked the best. But, you know, my my truck and trailer worked out okay. But yeah, and and back then, um, you know, this was the early '80s. I'm talking about. Um, so back then it was very interesting mobile business because you first had to explain to your customer what I was going to do because that you know the average consumer of detail services then didn't really know what detailing was and didn't certainly understand mobile services so I had to completely tell people you know hey yes I am going to come to your your place of business, your driveway, I'm going to do your car there. And they're like, oh, wow, you can do that? To think that's a new, that was a new concept for that time. Yeah. Um, Of course, now the average consumer understands this concept and knows what that is. And a lot of them know what detailing is now. So you don't have to explain it as much. But yeah, that's how I started. And, you know, that's for the large spectrum of services that detailers have to offer now compared to then, still having to explain yourself on the basics. I'm sure you still had to be pretty thorough in order to, you know, present yourself properly and have them understand what they're buying. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of ex- education and explaining. So even even to get a wash and wax job, it was, you know, 30 minutes to sell somebody on that. So it was, you know, so much um, hasn't changed, just the services, <laughs> right? <laughs> what gave you, as far as, you know, with that 12-year run, at what point did you end up uh, landing the opportunity with uh, McGuire's? How did all that transpire? Well, um, towards the end of that 12 years, um, the McGuire family, um, Barry McGuire, um, actually became one of my customers. Oh, wow. So I have the, you know, the feather in my cap that I was the first outside detailer that Barry hired to do his cars because prior to that, Barry had maintained his own cars. Um, But his company got big and he decided, okay, I don't have time to do this myself as much anymore. So he hired out an outside detailer. So I would, uh, that evolved to doing Meguiar's executives cars and Meguiar's employees cars. And and I, every Friday, all day, I was at the Meguiar's corporate office doing a whole list of cars for people there and um, a good good customer at the time. Um, but that's how it started. Um, uh, a weird set of circumstances, but my mobile detailing rig got stolen while I was at the McGuire's office. Oh, wow. So I'm going to date myself here, but I, I got a page. I had a pager. So they I got. Were, they were worth it. They still work in hospitals, but that's about it. <laughs> so I got a page and I went into the office to make a phone call, sold a, you know, scheduled the detail, came back out, and my whole detail rig was gone. Just somebody took it and drove off. Um, and at the time, you know, I had just graduated college and, uh, you know, not flush with cash and a lot of my equipment I had purchased on credit and I got my first lesson in um, insurance on what was covered and what was not. So anything not bolted down, by the way, all you mobile guys, anything not bolted down to your vehicle is not covered by the standard insurance. So you have to actually get another insurance product to cover all the the equipment and the towels and the loose stuff. Um, but I learned my lesson. Um, 
anyway, it presented a real big financial challenge for me at the at that moment because I'm like, oh, yeah. oh my god, and I couldn't do the next day's cars because I had nothing, you know. So um, the Barry, Barry and his family reached out to me, and they were like super gracious, and they said, hey, look, whatever whatever you need to get, get you back on your feet and get you going, we're, we're going to help you do it. And I thought it was such a powerful offer. And uh, I, I had operated a business for 12 years and I decided, you know, what, what's the next big thing for me? What, what do I want to graduate to? What do I want, what do I want to do next? And I decided I wanted to work for that company. So I, I told Barry at that time, I said, I'd, I don't know if I want to continue detailing, but, you know, what do you have for me? What opportunity can I have with your company? And he didn't have anything at the time. Um, here's another segment of the story. I won't get into the details, but the short version is from that moment, that day that my, my rig was stolen to when I actually got hired by Meguiar's, it was almost three years. Oh, wow. So for three years, I reached out to Meguiar's every three to six months, you know, hey, do you have something for me? I, I want to work for you guys. And um, it, it literally was two hours and some months later that they finally said, oh, yeah, I think we do have something for you. So, And then I moved from Texas back to California and took that job. That was in um, 1996. During that three years, did you continue to recoup in detail or did you find something else? Well, that's a good question, Justin, because one of the uh, responses when I asked the McGuire family, I want to come and work for you and your company, they, they said, well, you know, we don't have a job for you. And besides that, you're not qualified. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, you're, you're a great detailer and you, you know that skill set very well, but you have no distribution experience. You, you have no sales or uh, distribution experience. So what I did is I took the opportunity to go get that. So I moved to Dallas, Texas. Um, as a connection from Meguiar's, I worked for a Meguiar's distributor in, in Dallas. And I was a salesperson, a trainer, a technical advisor for a distributor in Dallas uh, for those two years, two and a half years. Wow. So you got the infield training and then, of course, more product in-depth background and all that good stuff. Now, just to rewind a little bit with, with Barry, when, when you started to detail his vehicle, how did all that come about? How did he find you? I mean, was there a specific marketing source that you used? Was it word of mouth? How did that come out? No, I had, I was uh, knocking on their door. It was, you know, old school cold calling in the, in the purest way you can imagine that happening. I was, I was operating my detail business and I started to use the Meguiar's products which, which I loved at the time. And, and I said, okay, I'm just going to knock on the, on the McGuire's front door and <laughs> Hey, anybody want a detail? And I mean, that literally that's how it happened. I would knock, I walked in the front door and I got screened out by the receptionist two or three times, you know, yeah, yeah, we we're, we're happy. We don't need any detailers and go away kind of thing. Um, and then I knocked enough that she finally said, you know, let me just ask around, see if anybody's interested. So you turned um, a no into a yes by just uh, yeah. being persistent with everything. It was, it was truly persistence, you know, and cold calling. I didn't know anybody at McGuire's, you know, I just walked in the door. And so I got that one detail, that one person in the company. 
And then uh, I took the opportunity to, to develop a relationship with that person. And that connection got me through executives to Barry. Barry came out, introduced himself while I was working on a car. And um, next thing I know, I'm doing his, which was super scary for me at the time. <laughs> and he was a tough... He's a His tough expectations customer. were through the roof. That's why. Absolutely. <laughs> he was a very tough customer. I spent hours on his car and then he just picked it apart. You know, you missed this spot. Um, but I'm yeah, sure you learned something in the process like we all of, do, right? Of course. Of course. Yeah. So that's how that started. Wow. That's a strong story because that's a lot to relate to in regards to a lot of guys that find themselves just pushing through the nose to get to a yes and then finally land in that one person individually or an account that allows them to climb the ladder to get into the location they want to be in. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't stop, but then there are some that do. So to those that do, they just need to know that don't take that no as an actual no. Just keep trying. It means no right now. Yes. It may not mean no tomorrow, but yeah, that totally is the case. And uh, you you and I can relate to this because today the the detailers that are entering into the market now new new detailers new to the business some of these younger guys um they they have this expectation that you know i i put a facebook ad out or i you know sent out some kind of social media message and i'm waiting for the you know the the money to fall from the ceiling and my phone to ring off the hook and and it reminds me of when i started and i'm like what happened to the good old-fashioned hustle you know what happened to that? People, yeah. so not all, I mean, there are some hustlers out there for sure, but they're, it seems like the new people coming in, they have this expectation that it's going to be easy. And sometimes it's not, it's, it's a lot easier now than it used to be, as you know. Yeah. But, but sometimes it's just not easy and you got to go hustle. Well, a lot of them get discouraged easily, but instead of being discouraged, it's better to be proactive. So yeah. one avenue may not work as to where, trying multiple avenues and understanding that sometimes those avenues just take time. You know, yes, you dump 200, 300, $500 into Google ads or whatever. Yeah. Your first month, you may not see something, but six months now you may start seeing it. But if you yeah. stop at three months, then you're never going to know. And you can't yeah. get discouraged for that reason. And it is money. And sometimes you don't have it to keep dumping into. So that's where other avenues that maybe be less expensive could help contribute to that. And I did get discouraged. So here's one offer to your listeners that I'll throw out there. So what, you know, what kept me going and, and being persistent and continuing the hustle? Because I did get discouraged, just like everybody does. Yeah, it's, like, it's human you know, nature. It doesn't come easy. So you have this moment in time where you can stop or you can, like you said, you can adjust and pivot and, and keep going. Um, but what kept me going was um, it was an acronym that actually was a gift from a friend of mine, but it's called PACE. Um, and it would be a reminder mentally, you know, keep up your pace. And PACE is an acronym that stands for persistence, aptitude, which means you got to know your skills, you got to develop, you know, your knowledge and your skills. So persistence, aptitude, and contagious excitement. And that you know, set your pace really, it kind of immediately turned me around and like, okay, I'm going to keep going here. Um, so just something to share with you guys. No, I like that. That's really good. That's really good. So, you know, now with, with you being, having the opportunity with McGuire's, what positions and roles have you had the opportunity to play throughout that 20 year span that you were with them? 
Yeah, so I started entry level at the bottom, way at the bottom. It was entry level sales, um, doing demos, um, didn't even have account responsibility to start out with. Um, really, I was a demo dog driving around demoing products. Um, started at the bottom and in about four or five years time on, in the sales department, I had graduated up to higher levels. So I became a, a territory manager. Then I became a regional manager, and then I became a regional manager managing other territories. At, at one time, I had five people reporting to me, wow. um, pretty much most of the whole western part of the country um, I managed. Uh, and that evolved into a, a technical marketing position, you know, focused on professional products. And then uh, about the last five, six years at McGuire's, maybe longer than that, maybe eight years, um, I was on the product development team and also a lead trainer traveling around the world, training uh, detailers all over. Um, so that's what, you know, I, I, I progressed through those positions at, at McGuire's. And when I left there, I was the lead trainer and lead on the product development for products for professionals, not, not the retail side of their business. And if I'm correct, you had a lot to do with the uh, microfiber DA system that McGuire's released. Yeah, the, I was involved in a lot of products. It's obviously a team. It's not just correct. me, but um, the microfiber system was a five-year project. It was a massive undertaking and took a lot of development time. And it was the first time that McGuire's allowed me to uh, dictate the launch window. So prior to that, you know, McGuire said, okay, we, we need you to develop this product with the team and go do it, but we're going to launch on this particular date, whether you're ready or not, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But I convinced them that, hey, if you if you let me take my time and, and do the proper validation, I can come out with a, you know, a kick-ass system. And they let me do that. And uh, it, it was not pleasant because the executives um, got a feel for some of these products early on and they wanted to launch like right now, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we're gonna yeah. wait. Yeah. We're gonna wait for every piece to be done. And, and the wait was worth it. Cause as you, as you know, it was a massive um, successful launch. Oh yeah, um, it was a change in the industry totally for uh, microfiber pads and that system and definitely owe you a lot of credit and the team that you oversee to make that happen and push. Mm -hmm. That's huge. It made yeah. a lot, a lot of changes in our industry because now there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways that that's been approached to different manufacturers that, you know, have their approach to it. And it, and it really gives more options to the arsenal for the detailer, right? For better well, results. yeah, you're right. Cause prior to that, the, the two major pad categories were foam and wool. And then now there's this new third one called microfiber and it, it yeah. offered opportunity for a lot of companies, including Buff and Shine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even the liquid abrasives, right? To, you know, yeah. make and alter them for the pads. Yeah. Creating another category there, which is really neat. And then the cross-referencing that everybody as, as detailers that we all do, right? I want to try yeah. this here. Try that there. Yeah. No. So, yeah. So I just, yeah, I wanted to definitely give you credit on that because I know oh, I personally witnessed the change that, that that system made in the industry across the board for consumers and manufacturers. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, finalizing everything with, with, Meguiar's and, and you, you know, ending your road there and starting your road with Rupes, how did that all go? Where would the opportunity start with that? Well, um, 
you know, as many people know, or some don't know, you know, Meguiar's was was acquired by a massive company called 3M. You might have heard of 3M. (laughs) (laughs) So those (laughs) those two brands, you know, powerhouse brands, and they, you know, at that time, and the company culture internally just changed, you know, as, as it was expected. And uh, it just became so different to me. It became a foreign kind of place to work. So I really uh, wasn't having as much fun as I used to. So it was such a massive change internally that um, I wanted to try something else. And, you know, no, I'm not bagging on Barry McGuire, the family or the company. They're fantastic people to work with. And, you know, the, many of the team is still there. They're just a great group of people, but it became um, not as good of a fit for me. Um, so then I, you know, threw the uh, feelers out there for something else and uh, and Rupus literally pounced. Um, it was a matter of hours and they they jumped all over the, the uh, job offer. And um, I moved from Southern California to Denver, Colorado, which personally was a f- fantastic move for me. I'm really, lo- I love Denver. Um, and I had begun to hate California. <laughs> so, well, that's uh, definitely a, a good move considering <laughs> now, right? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So California was not a fun place to live anymore for me, the traffic and the cost and the, you know, the politics and everything. So I love Denver and I love Rupus. It's a great company to work with. I went back to what I had with Meguiar's, which is a family owned and operated business, you know, even though it's a big company globally, it's still family run. And, and I just love that environment. And then you've been with them since groundbreaking of the of the facility being built out there and everything, right? Well, actually, before that, so yeah, uh, yeah, I joined them before the new building was built. And then you had your hand in a lot of everything going on with how the detailing facility, which is very beautiful, was was all laid out and framed up. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah, we were there. Um, you were at the opening. No, it was uh, gosh, oh the. 2018 when with pns we had our uh, annual distributor meeting with bob gotcha. and everybody we stayed out there and then we spent a day there at the facility and did the training and rennie was there and the whole yeah Correct. I got you. Yep. yeah i remember yep. that yeah yeah so since then since you've been there we've even done some improvements so I, i'd invite you back because uh i was did some fabulous come things back, but i just don't feel comfortable getting on a plane and doing the whole traveling thing at the moment <laughs> yeah not not right now but when when the universe cooperates you you know come on back we'll show you how it's, it, it is a cool facility and i appreciate your comments it's a fantastic facility yeah and as far as now with you know with getting into rupez and getting comfortable with them what positions have you had the opportunity to play with with rupez well, I joined them with pretty much uh, the same role in the job description as I had at Meguiar's. Um, they wanted me to do exactly that. So I'm on the product development team and I'm a lead trainer. Um, additionally, I'm running a, you know, a training academy. Uh, Meguiar's had a training center, but it wasn't to this scale. So it's much larger, uh, taller scale. And then I also now coordinate our other academy in Milan, Italy, as well wow. as our, our other trainers all over the world. So we have, you know, 22 trainers all over the place. So I coordinate all their activity. 
Now, have you been to all of the majority of those training facilities? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's your um, most multiple one? multiple times actually um not, not to put it out there but what would you say is your personal more that you like and i wouldn't say favorite that way we don't single anybody out as far as out of all the training facilities <laughs> you mean where do i like to train uh the most yeah like what yeah, facility where... really like i mean obviously you know being home in denver is one but outside of denver if we travel in the country with the other rupes oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, our sister academy in Milan is a great environment that's, you know, they're very similar between Denver and Milan. The, the quality and the layout and the way everything is, is fabulous. So those would be my two favorites. And, and frankly, um, this is an odd statement to make based on your question, but I really miss training in my own academy in Denver because it's been closed for months. Oh. Yeah. And due, due to the pandemic, I haven't done a class in months. Um, so I really miss it a lot. Um, but outside of the United States, I would say what, what raises to the top is um, the facility in Zurich, Switzerland is, is one of my favorites. Um, and I also like that area. You know, I'm, I'm an outdoor enthusiast, so I like to, you know, play around in the Swiss Alps and, uh, but that facility is really well done as well. And it also doubles as the, the uh, Swiss um, PPG training center. So oh, wow. it's, a, it's a dual facility where they train, you know, uh, on, on paint, PPG paint, and then also detailing. So um, that's a great, and they have some great trainers there. Um, the other place that comes to mind is the facility in Thailand. They have a great training facility there. I'm trying to think of all the, I've done a lot of training classes all over, but sometimes they aren't at a, like a quote unquote training center. It's, it's done at a detail shop or uh, at another facility of some kind, especially the bigger ones, the bigger events. Um, and that, it's not a training center, but a big training event that comes to mind is the one in Norway that, that I think is the largest um, detailing training event I've ever been to. Um, it was absolutely huge, but that was done at a hotel because the other training center was simply too small. Oh, wow. Yeah. That so hundreds of detailers. Of people, yeah. yeah. Hundreds. But it was, it was basically a Rupus polishing class. You know, here's, here's our products. Here's how you apply them. But it was to, you know, several hundred detailers. So a very, very big exposure there. You might see those um, YouTube videos about it, the, the Norway Rupus training I, event. I think I've seen something along yeah. the lines of that because I remember the hotel setting. Yeah. Um, so with, with Rupes, you know, there's a lot of people that obviously know about the brand and, and what they bring to the table, but give us a little history, a little background on Rupes itself, like, you know, where they mm -hmm. started, where they're from, and then of course, what you guys offer that way it could bring people up to speed who might be like, uh, what's Rupes? Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, it is Rupes. So, um, it's not Rupes or Rupees, um, <laughs> Rupes. tomato, tomato, right? All right. Um, <laughs> So yeah, the, a lot of people in America don't know this because they're they're understanding the Rupus Bigfoot polisher brand, and it it is very young. It's in its infancy stage in America. It's like seven years old. It's a it's a seven year old brand in the United States, but um, in Europe, in Italy, 
It's a family-run business that started in 1947. So a long history of making tools. In fact, the company has some innovative firsts in, in the category. So they were, for example, the very first company to come out with, with an electric sander. And how many of those exist nowadays, you yeah. know? And the very first company that introduced a, a hand tool with plastic body parts. Look at what, what happens now. I mean, they're, most tools have plastic body parts now. Yeah. So, you know, the company's been around a long time and, and the mantra and what, you know, what they try to strive to is innovation, technology, and design. Those are the three words that make up what the company has tried to do since 1947. And, you know, the Bigfoot polisher that everybody knows in America, that's just a result of decades of development. So, um, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people that don't understand the whole background in the company, but when you think about it, it's, it's a lot of technology and innovation over many decades. Now with those decades of tools, did they start to get into the chemicals and abrasives once they hit the detailing category or were they doing that prior in maybe a different industry? No, you're, you're right. It happened at the moment in time when, when the Bigfoot polisher, the 21 was, was created and developed. That was the moment in time when the engineers realized, Hey, we kind of have to get involved with, with compounds and pads. And uh, the reason was because the tool movement itself was so violent, um, you know, at the pad level, it's, it's such a big orbit moving around that standard pads on the market um, just wouldn't hold up to the, the movement of the tool. So yeah. they immediately said, oh, we got to do something about, you know, the lateral stability. We got to build it in the foam and, and the chemistry has to work with that big orbit. So yeah, so when the Bigfoot came out, they realized, hey, we got to get involved with the other components that create the result. The tool is just one thing, yep. you know, but the pad and the liquid uh, are synergistic, you know, to create that result. Yeah, I remember when, you know, the Bigfoot system was released, a lot of the pad manufacturers had, you know, now the machines kind of got ahead of the game and the pad manufacturers were catching up to the machines because of the long throw and the stability of the pads Yeah. and the, the issues that, you know, pads were having because of that long throw. Yeah. And, and then of course, working with the liquid abrasives to accommodate also in the harmony of all that working together. It's still an issue. So we've already mentioned that there's a lot of uh, young new detailers entering into the space and many of them don't understand this. But if you if you take a Bigfoot polisher and throw pads and liquids together, you still have this possibility that it could destroy the pad if you use it improperly. You know, because the tool, it is a violent movement. It's a big orbit moving around and, um, you know, you kind of, what I, my point is you kind of need to educate yourself. You need to go to class, go to a training program and, and understand this particular tool movement. Cause if you use it like a rotary or if you use it like any other orbital, you're, you're not going to be happy and you may get some destructive results. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I've seen that myself on social media when people have complaints about, you know, their pad shredding or this not happening. And a lot of it has to do with the user just not being fully yeah. educated not to take away from that individual but it's just because they just open the box and go 
go. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't jump online to do any bit of research and or anything like that. And yeah, or the the guy selling them the stuff was just trying to make a sale, right? Yeah, here's the tool, here's the pads. Uh, yeah. It's Ooh. easy, it's great. <laughs> you go do it. All yeah. you gotta do is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So does um you know and not you don't have to get too far and you can mention what you like but as far as with Rupes now you know with our last year 2020 having the whole pandemic and none of us being able to go to shows and do the networking or release new products what can you speak on that's new for Rupes you know from last year to this year that you guys have uh, been in development or have developed that is something new that you could speak on well, for the first thing, just to pivot and adjust to the universe, we um, we obviously, like you, we can't do group gatherings, we can't do training events like we used to. I mean, I used to pull in 30 people would book up within minutes when we post a class. So I used to have full classes, you know, on a regular basis. Can't do those. Um, so we pivoted and adjusted into a lot of virtual content, a lot of YouTube content, a lot of webinars, things like that. Um, so that takes up a lot of my time. I'm still kind of using the Academy, but it's being used for like video shoots and pictures and all that. Um, so that's one thing we did. But in the meantime, our our engineers and our developers are not letting grass grow around our feet. We, we constantly are, are uh, aggressively innovating. So you're going to see new tools. You're going to see um, some more in the consumables area, like compounds and pads that that are more specific to, you know, different vehicles, different markets. Um, so yeah, you're gonna see a bunch of, yeah, we're, we are, literally did not stop. In fact, as a company, we took this pandemic period time to actually focus more on development. So it, we, took, we took this time to really dive deeper into developing stuff. Um, so yeah, there's some pretty exciting stuff in the pipeline. So you'll have a lot of things in the arsenal ready to go for a launch to yeah. present at a show that we hopefully have sometime soon. <laughs> sometime, please. <laughs> well, I can say, you know, like if, if anybody hasn't been to SEMA, um, you know, that's the mecca of all shows, especially for Rupes and other manufacturers. But the booth that's set up there is just amazing. The help from everybody who works for Rupes is, is stellar. And the wall of the history, you know, especially like back in 2019 mm. of, of the company. And then, of course, having all the designers that go and do all the artwork on the on the tools themselves. It's just it's second to none. Yeah. There's 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 nothing else out there that you, the way you guys set up at your booth is just amazing. And that's something that if you go to SEMA as a detailer, you've got to check that out. I mean, all the booths, but they really yeah. go over the top. And yeah, you thank you for them. saying that. We uh, I love that feedback because we we do work very hard to have a, a a memorable impression when you come to our booth at SEMA. So I appreciate your feedback, and yeah, I I love it too. That you know SEMA is an event that I've come to love and hate personally. Um, I've done it for decades. You know, twenty something years I've gone to SEMA, and that last year was the very first time I missed it. Small little event. Yeah, back when it was literally a small event. and But, you know, I I love the connection. What I love about SEMA, um, not so much the show-off part with our booth, although that's pretty fun, um, but the connection with detailers. So it, sometimes SEMA is the only time I connect with certain people. You know, the rest of the year it's by phone or whatever, but 
it's a face-to-face -face time, which, you know, obviously during this pandemic is not very safe. Um, but I miss it a lot because pe people all over the world that I have relationships with, you know, we congregate in SEMA and it's a great time. But, um, but yeah, you're right. We, we tried to have a very high standard on our presentation at SEMA. And that's thanks to our you know, very cre creative and, and, and expert marketing team. They just do a fabulous job. And um, so I'm, I'm glad you noticed. Uh, yeah, well, I, I know the inner work. workings of what goes on, you know, being part of a manufacturer and being at a booth. So seeing that, there's a lot of wheels that turn to make that happen. And, yeah. you know, once somebody, it's one thing being a spectator, right? Walking up and down the rows, but actually being on the other side of that and seeing how all that comes together. And then seeing that, like what you guys have into it and other manufacturers that go big too, but like what people have into it as manufacturers is like, wow. That, that took a lot to It's a to lot of work. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because And, all, and most, frank, frankly, but, a lot of money. Yeah. Well, most detailers just show up and get to see the end result. Yeah. So. And that's and that's great. I'm glad to get to enjoy that. Um, hopefully we can, you know, hopefully we can do SEMA this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. That would be nice. And then, like you said about the people, you know, seeing the people. But you know, I think a lot of it, too, is, you know, when they come to the booth and they finally get to see the people that they've been watching online, you know, the guys that are getting into the industry or have been in the industry just kind of stuck in their hometown. And this is the first opportunity that they're going to an event. And of all events, SEMA, right? But they actually get to get in front of the people that they've seen online for product videos, YouTube, whatever it may be, and finally shake their hand and, and really get introduced to them on a personal level, which is really neat. It is it's beyond neat. I'm, you know, it's something I've come to really value is that, that connection face to face with with detailers that, like you said, you know, on Facebook, but then, you know, now we're face to face. And then also another deeper le level to the peeling the onion on that. Uh, for example, like the owner of your company, who I have a relationship with, I've known for years. SEMA is the only time that we get together and talk face to face. And that's, that's one example, but there's, you know, hundreds of those people for me personally that I know in the business, you know, but I only get to see them face to face at SEMA. Well, and, and to add, you know, the detailers that will go and, or any show, you know, there's quite a few people that are well-respected in the industry, but, you know, Jason of, of one of many that you could actually approach, talk to, and most likely, because he's a lot better than I am, and remember your name the next time he sees you too. <laughs> As we're, you know, some are a little standoffish, you know, because they feel maybe that that person is somebody that they, you know, won't acknowledge and whatever the case may be. That's not the case at all. Matter of fact, that's not the case at all with the majority of manufacturers, yeah. including Rupes and anybody that's at the booth. But yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because I know sometimes when it's a new guy going to a show, it's a little uncomfortable and approaching, you know, there's maybe some, maybe I should just let him, you know, continue to talk to those people, but no, go up and introduce yourself for sure. Um, yeah, I, I I like what you said because um, I'm remembering now last, last time at SEMA, I'd be talking to somebody one-on-one -on -one and there's like a group over here literally of five or six people that are just standing over there staring at me. <laughs> Waiting <I'm> like, patiently. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one guy goes, yeah, another one comes up and, but I, I, I want to be approachable. I'm not, I don't want to be somebody that you want to stand off and say, Oh, I'll, you know, maybe I shouldn't um, talk to him, but yeah, talk to me. And I, I may not remember your name. I do 
I do remember faces pretty well, but I have lots of people that come up to me and say, hey, remember me? I went to your class. I'm like, ah, no, <laughs> but thanks for coming to the class. <laughs> and that's not your fault. That's just from seeing a lot of people at a lot of events over the years. It becomes a blur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, could be worse. It could be like, you know, where all my young years I spent mostly with competitive boxing. So I get, you know, every so mm. often between being at a gym and at an event and then now being in the industry, it's kind of all a blur with all the people and shaking hands. And then it gets to a point where it's like, what was your first name again? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I yeah. always do the, I, I, if my wife's with me, it's easier because I'll introduce her first. So the other person should introduce themselves. And then I got their first name. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. now I remember. <laughs> Ooh, nice trick. I'll yeah, it I'm works out that. well. <laughs> so as far as your plans uh, for 21, Jason, uh, is there anything that you can speak on that you have uh, looking towards this year that you're excited about? Well, the, you know, the live in-face group gatherings for training events is a big, still a big question mark. Um, we have on, on the to-do list, you know, many events worldwide, but they're just kind of parked out in space, you know, who knows when we're able to do those, but they're, they're ready to pull the trigger when, when the universe cooperates. And um, so those are there, but we're not going to like sit around and wait. So we're actively going after other goals. Um, obviously in product development, we're in full, full court press on that. And then content development, uh, both in YouTube and other platforms. But we, uh, we've, made it, um, we took the opportunity for 2021 to really uh, shift our focus inward. So Rupus uh, for America especially has done a lot of outward facing to end users, a lot of videos and YouTube videos and webinars. And um, But what we're trying to really take the opportunity now is to really focus inward and there's a lot of networks within our business. So we have our employees, we have trainers inside and outside trainers, um, people like you that provide training programs, but you also use our products, you know, use our tools. So people like you, there's, and there's quite a few of people like you that do, that present Rupus products as part of your training and education. So we're gonna do a better job of supporting those people um, that present our products uh, and other networks are, you know, um, branded and non-branded detail centers, uh, training centers around the world, either branded Rupus or not branded Rupus. So we're, you know, it's one thing we're just going to really focus on supporting those people that are presenting our products anywhere in the world. That's very nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, well, with the time frame of everything um, and I, definitely appreciate having you on because there's so much stuff we could continue to talk about and however um what would be something that you could give to the detailers in last words something uh motivational or just good information that you could put out there well um what comes to mind is what i already mentioned that word pace you know setting your pace persistence aptitude and contagious excitement um and the bigger message is, you know, we're, we've all been hit with this pandemic and it's changed a lot of norms and it's still continuing. We, we're all struggling to figure out how to be at this time. You know, how do, how do we 
how do we go through our day? How do we get our, our lives progressing and our businesses progressing? And some of us are doing it to different degrees of success, obviously, but uh, a lot of people are stuck and a lot of people are struggling big time. And some people have even taken the opportunity to go out of business. So uh, I would really encourage people to, um, to do what you said, which was, you know, take, take any challenge and any stop. You know, if you get stopped, and I've had a lot of stops, you know, I cannot right now do a training class at my academy. My academy's closed, and it's a major part of my job. But I, I refuse to be stopped by that. I, I am stopped, but I refuse to be stopped. So I'm going to pivot and angle and try different things. And I would in, just encourage people um, in that moment of discouragement, uh, reach out, connect with other people in our industry, connect with people at the IDA, uh, reach out because there is help out there. If, if Even at the minimum, if it's just somebody to talk to, you know, but there's lots of good advice and reach out to those people that appear to be really succeeding during this time, you know, because they figured out some formula to make this work for them. And maybe you want to try some of the things they did. But yeah, I would just encourage people to not be stopped, you know, don't, don't hit a wall, and then stand there and say, I've hit a wall. You know, now it's time to go over under around whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I love it. Well, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. And thank you for being our number 13 podcast that we had. And again, for all your decades of contributions to the industry, that's a huge thank you for myself. And I'm sure everybody who's watching you acknowledges that they better, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you for taking the time to, to be on the podcast. And hopefully we can get you on again later in the future. Hey, I'd love to. I appreciate the invite. And uh, it was my pleasure talking with you and hope we do it again. Awesome. All right. Well, Jason, thank you and take care. And everybody, thanks again for watching. And uh, this is podcast number 13 for Reflection Artists Live. Signing out. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artists Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out buffandshine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.